We're recording. You can tell because it's it says recording. <laughs> wow. That's been done. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put internally at your disposal. Me and Mike are in the same room. No. Oh, yeah. This is your Chicago week. That's why yeah. I only see one of you guys. I'm no. looking at Connor's stupid face. Oh, man. And it's bad. And guess what? I forgot. <laughs> Don't say it. Mets has braces, dude. Hey, Connor. <laughs> you promised you wouldn't say anything, dude. <laughs> yeah, what's that like? Describe it to me, please. It's really hard to take him seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, each morning it takes a good five to ten minute. Um, wow! Just self self hate prep talk. <laughs> Come on, man, <laughs> get it together, Mets. Yeah. At least you know it's it's like corrective. It's not aesthetic, right? It's so that your face doesn't fall off or something. It's so I have teeth when I'm fifty. Yeah. Oh, because you oh. grind. Because I my teeth just smash into each other. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with not having teeth when you're fifty, dude? Dude, that's what I said. Then you get to have dentures, and then. Who cares what happens to those? Right. They're not your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Dude. They're somebody else's teeth, right? I don't know how dentures work. Do you yeah, have to I glue either. them to your gums? No, I think there's I think there's implants that you can get like screwed into your mouth so that they never even come out. Yeah. Oh. Legitimately oh. I remember mentioning that to well my orthodontist and I was like, hey, is it's okay, right, if I grab my teeth, right? Because you can just give me new teeth. And he was like, <laughs> He goes, ain't no thank you. Or you misunderstood it. <laughs> he misunderstood yeah. my profession. Like, basically, if you want to pay for a Volkswagen, like it's like $30,000 $30, to get these brand new teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you want to do that, sure, grind away. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, but huh. you, you're saying you can get me new teeth. Though. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a backup plan. There, just to have, confirm. <laughs> I don't have to change anything about my life, do I? Just going to pull that ripcord. Yeah. Pull the teeth. <laughs> if worse comes to worse. How you been, Rob? Good. Well, I mean, I need a, I mean, I need a little vent session. I'm not going to lie here. And the fans can hear this. But okay. since the last time we talked... Illinois, I don't think, has won a game in anything. And oh, man, that's true. now oh, man. Archbishop Sheen isn't getting beatified in December. Oh, so that's kind yeah. of a bummer. I just heard that yesterday. What is yeah, there a backstory there? Or? Yeah, all it said, I mean, it said this in the press statement, is that it didn't list like how many or who, but certain bishops wanted more investigation into his life. So I, I don't know, man. It doesn't make any sense to me. But wow. Yep. Um, but other than that, life is really good. Hmm. Dang, man. They just booted him to the back of the line. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get Sheen, it. He was he was in, in queue to get into the pearly gates, into sainthood. And <laughs> That's how that works. He got close, and somebody <laughs> called him out like, sorry, dude. You, you cut, man. You got to step get out of the line, bro. <laughs> He's like, what? Huh? Can you imagine in his giant cape? <laughs> I'd be upset. <laughs> I would be very upset. Get back. 
Um, but yeah, what else is happening since the last time I talked to you, dudes? Um, Thanksgiving was good. Ate a lot of good food. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I had a nice Thanksgiving too. I was down in Dallas. Oh with yeah, the, my brother and his family got good some trip. dubs with my nephew Max in Fortnite. Oh, <laughs> actually, we didn't get any dubs, but we did play. <laughs> I don't know. Can what you explain are. what that means? Can you win this game or something? Yeah, it's uh, oh, you're not, W's. Are you not aware of of Fortnite? Oh, I've heard the t- the word Fortnite before, but it's I don't know like, what it means. It's a bit like dabbing. Like the fact that I'm talking about it right now is like, wow, dude, you just dabbed. You are four years late to the party or whatever, but. <laughs> Um, I played for the first time in June when I went down to visit them and Max, my eight year old nephew plays on his iPad, like a boss just sits on the floor next to the outlet while his iPad charges and plays this game, which is really hard to do without a controller. So I play on their Nintendo switch, but it's a, it's kind of like a kid's murder game where you, it's like the hunger games where you get shot out on an Island with a hundred other players online. And the last person to not die wins. Whoa. You can build things and you can shoot guns. But it's not bloody. It's like as soon as you die, you get sucked back into the internet. So it's, and there's like backpacks and clothes that the people wear. It's it's oh. kind of a peaceful death, it, it sounds like. And it's free. Like to download the game is free. I think this is why it went so crazy popular for a few years is because anybody can download it on any device and play. So he's on his iPad. You can play on the Switch, the Xbox, whatever. And then they do in-app purchases, which is a total coup de gras. Oh, man. So they make tons of money with people buying, like, hats oh. for your player to wear. Yeah, it's just like oh. accessories. Yeah. And wow. like uh, <laughs> like probably every kid, my nephew accidentally bought, like, 150 bucks worth of stuff on his <laughs> ipad and my brother had to call had to call the company and be like um I'm, i want my money back and, and they said literally we give people one chance like this happens so as often, you can Im- yeah. imagine a lot uh so we will refund all of it but the next time this happens you just you have to talk to your kids so that they don't do this again no way mm-hmm. that's really wow. funny that they do that yeah. whoa so anyway, okay. we, got, we got mad dubs. That's not mad dubs. Mad dubs. Do you my brother took like me up at the airport wins, and he right? said, one of the first things he said is, go, he goes, Max has been looking forward to getting some dubs with you because we did that in June. That's funny. Man, shout out to Max, man. Get yeah. the dubs. He's the juice um, box of the dance room clan. He's the, yeah, he's the dance room's juice box, no doubt. Um, do you buy into the whole thing? And I'm legitimately asking here because I was never a gamer like at all and i don't think anyone in my family i literally i think remember playing like mario kart on 64 a little bit with my brother good Legendary. game yep um but the whole well one aren't there like scholarships for esports now and stuff like that to colleges i think uh, i don't know is that right yep there's I, dude in georgia there's uh it's a part of ghsa georgia high school association and wow there's actual gaming teams that compete for state championships wow yeah i mean do you but i've also heard and i haven't read a lot on it but i've heard in a sense the argument of like this is how in today's world like fraternity and friendships are formed of like because you can 
the way you describe Fortnite, there's hundred players trying to kill each other on an island. Like they can be from anywhere in the world. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. I yeah, mean, do you you can, you can talk to each other too? Um, huh. I don't think you can talk. This is this is vintage Three Dogs North. We don't know what we're talking about, but I don't think you can just talk to anybody. You have to like be their friend. But yeah, I asked Max. I'm I'm his only friend on Fort, or he's my only friend on Fortnite. Sad. But he has like 50 friends, and I'm like, do you know all these guys? And he goes, no. I'll just um, I listen to them. I'll like friend them and listen. And if I quote, if they're mean, I don't keep them on my friend list. You know, like if they say swears or something like that. Oh, so it's just basically a bunch of like eight and nine year olds who have, yeah, all over the country. How how old is Max? Eight. Eight. Okay. But how do you know that, like, you know, on the game, nine year old Sally isn't. 50 year old sammy you well, know what you, i'm saying you can hear the, you can hear their voice <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know that kind of creeps me out yeah it's a little weird i and i i admittedly have never experienced it but i am curious if someone because yeah i think some people would say well, do like, you know no, those are real do you know john blevins oh uh, should i he's he's uh up here in chicago he works at St. James and Arlington Heights now, but he knew Megan Miller. He worked with her at uh, St. Paul's, I think, in Gurney. Uh. Anyways, he uh, he's director of evangelization at the parish um, uh, where Father Derek Ho was. And he, well, this is a whole, this is a whole like vein of knowledge um, and culture. Do you know about streaming? Like Netflix streaming? <laughs> no, like uh, so apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> like streaming live video gaming, uh, people no. will people will stream online uh, live video of them playing a video game, and you can see their face like in the corner, and they'll talk to you. And, oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, so John's brother is like the most famous streamer in the world. His name's Ninja. I have heard of that guy. Yeah, he has blue hair and plays. Fortnite, but other games, I think. He's the most famous streamer in the world. I think so. He's kind of popularized it, and he's, you know, publicly said that he makes millions doing it because people, like, subscribe to your channel, and they donate, and you can sell ads and things like yeah. that. And he's got a YouTube channel of kills that he's gotten. And um, Anyway, John does it, too, now. Um, he streams and has a pretty well-watched channel. I gave a talk up at St. Paul's um, on addictions about a year ago, and we talked about it because I've I've watched his stream a little bit just because I was curious because he he tries to use it to evangelize and for fellowship and community and stuff like that. And I think like like the podcast, you know, it's virtual friendship, it's virtual community, but it's can still create real connections. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we have a guy in my parish who is a big gamer and he's kind of, he's maybe forties or so. He's uh, not so young, but yeah, he lives on his own and, and that's kind of what he does for a, for a hobby. And so he has like a gaming network and they'll all get to know each other by playing consistently, but it's like a Christian based gaming group. And so actually for the first time they're going to go and 
um, I think they're like renting out some hotel rooms together and they're going to like come and like physically go and play games together and hang out together. But they've been doing it for a little while. So I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, I guess I, I've always seen it that it could spark a desire for more community mm-hmm. and lead to something. But I don't know if I don't know. Dude, I they're don't so addictive. They can be substantial. Video games are so addictive, and they're also kind of unproductive. That's just my my bias towards them. Um, I played a lot when I was like in grade school, middle school. We played Double O Seven, Goldeneye. Hmm. And the sitting in the same room or Mario Kart and things like that. And I just remember afternoons feeling like after four hours of playing video games, you're like, ugh, I don't feel good. Um, <laughs> but I also remember some of my best memories with my oldest brother. This is why it was fun to, to get dubs with Max because I remember playing with my older brother, Ethan, uh, playing NHL 94 in the basement and he's like you know a teenager <laughs> and I'm Max's age and it was just the funnest thing ever yeah. to compete at something where you could actually possibly win whereas if I played basketball with him or something like that I would just get crushed huh so I don't know there's there's good in everything and oh I, yeah I've watched oh, yeah. John's channel and he does he does uh you know I think it's like Baron would say about St. Paul if if St. Paul had the means of communication that we have today. He'd be he'd be in these forums, sure. evangelizing. You know, I meant that question. There in are total millions. Too. Yeah, there I, are millions of people watching. I, dude, at the Newman Center, regularly while kids are quote unquote studying, they'll have their phone in front of them watching a streamer play video games. Really? Yeah, it's it's what a lot of people are watching on online. Wow, they should be listening to us. Talk about that. <laughs> they probably I get are it, man. It simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, I get it. If I know kids, like, if I know the youths, like, I think I do. Which you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Dang it. I apparently. Man, I went to don't. the parish last night for a Guadalupe Novena Mass. It's the beginning of the Guadalupe Novena, I think, last night. And uh, a parish in the neighborhood asked me to, to go say Mass. And I, I realized, like, man, I, I'm around young people a lot. And you go to the parish and you're just like, wow, this is a different crowd. It's older. They're very eager to like feed you tamales. And <laughs> that's not my my ministry experience has totally changed, but it flashed me back to to, to parish life. Oh, His nice. fridge is full of tamales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And avocado. They had a big crate of huge avocados. Oh, that sounds and amazing. they're like, do you want some avocados? I was like, yeah, I'll take a couple. And she just loads me up with this bag of like eight. And like, I Classic. live with one Classic. other priest. They're going to go Man. bad. Classic. Classic. <laughs> Dang. That's amazing. Dude, well, Rob, I wanted to, I wanted to somehow snake that poem that the girl from your Newman Center wrote. <laughs> Flashback to. Snake that guy. Man. That was quite the snake in there. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. bad segue. <laughs> but I no, got go a ahead. book of I got a book of poems from a a woman named Megan Ulrich in the mail to us. Hmm. Um, Mike is sitting here, so he can read it and enjoy it. But I don't know that you can. But I might read a, a couple because it's really stinking good. But then it reminded me of that poem that she wrote, and your I friend. Can. Yeah, about your bro dude who passed away. Oh yeah. Do you have oh, that on yeah. hand? Yeah, I can find it. It'll take me take me a minute, but um I guess it can recap. We're talking like 
my friend uh, Tom Orn. We talked about him on the cast of he passed away like while taking um, someone communion. That guy was that actually was that episode called Little Tommy? Might be. Um, yeah. How old remember. was he again? He was seventy five, and Little Tommy didn't refer to. Tom Oren, but I think that is the episode. No. That referred to a goat little that Mike blessed. A little goat. Little goat. <laughs> uh, okay. Hang on. Maybe it's on my computer. Yeah, dude. Perry's life is very different than mm-hmm. being How was here. your Thanksgiving, Mets, by the way? Oh, it was it was very nice. Um classic Mets. It was one of those it was one of those where I got home and started to realize like, oh man, I really need a just a couple of days of rest and veg with the family pretty hard, but we had everybody but one sibling home and all the nieces and nephews and um we bonfired super hard oh cool basically all all day Friday, oh yeah, well, I mean, what we talked about on the podcast, my plan to eat more turkey and watch more college football than uh, I thought humanly possible <laughs> basically happened. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished indeed. <clears throat> but it was a lot of fun, and then seeing my sisters, they were in, and um, yeah, Mary I'm Margaret Metz, Mary Margaret Metz, <laughs> Mary Margaret, it's me, Rob Johnson, hey, Mary Margaret, that's no, right. Father Rob Johnson. Oh, <laughs> turns, <laughs> man, never forget it, never that's forget it. Moment. She redeemed it though. We're we're she buds did. now. We're buds. Well, that's good, man. All right, I'm locked and loaded here. You want me to read this thing? Yeah. All right, so this is called... This is also, by the way, um, the she's the same girl that wrote the uh, butterfly moments that I sent you guys a week or two ago. Yeah, I Did can't guys... remember if I read that, if I couldn't open it or something. Okay, okay. It was actually about something that you said that she reflected on, um, of just like you can't... Well, anyway, I'll read this one. Yeah, nice. I remember that one. Um, so this is called, I asked her, so this is uh, my friend Maggie, who's an SIUE student, and a just beautiful heart, and um, very, very faithful and talented. Um, so I asked her to write a poem. I told her about my friend Tom, who had passed away, and just kind of the the manner of his, his death, and... Um, when I was out there, I went out there right after he died. So actually, the um, the coroner was still there, and um, so it was kind of you know it was a um, pretty pretty intense experience. Uh, but I I didn't find it. Um, there was a couple other parishioners there, um, just helping in different ways, and um, they one of them like we were talking, and they realized like oh man he had the Eucharist on him, and so it was actually the the lady that he was visiting had had it in her pocket, um, but I he anyway long story short she she gave it to me to take back to the church and get Jesus back in the tabernacle, but Tom's pics um, was just it just embodied him like it was just just kind of this beautiful simple. Um, simple vessel of carrying Jesus. And so just kind of told her the story and asked her to write a poem. And this is what she came up with. Um, So this is, she called it a humble home. My vessel for you was very modest. 
nothing fancy, nothing extravagant. From the outside, it looked worn out and tattered. It never took your breath away, but it should have, because it was special. It held love, it held you. You allowed yourself to be tucked away, always concealed, hidden from the world. You surrendered your will completely, entrusting yourself to me, allowing yourself to be held, held in my hands, held in my pocket, held in between two pieces of metal clasped shut by a hinge. Yet your place of safekeeping was not completely secure. It was once broken, so I repaired your humble home with my own two hands, but it never returned to its original shape. It had been wounded, and it now had a scar. But you chose this home again and again, day after day, night after night, and you will continue to choose it, because even after you leave this home and rest in a new home, you still choose another imperfect and broken home. Only this one has a soul. You are the Lord of the universe, the one who created all things, the one who can do all things, the one who chooses all things. And of all the things you could have chosen, you chose a thin piece of bread, easily broken. You, cho you chose a small, simple, worn-out and wounded home, and you chose me. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Did did you have her write it for like any uh, ceremony or funeral or something or, or just to have it? Uh, just to have it. Yeah. Just to have it of, um, I mean, she's, you know, I know Maggie really, really well and um, yeah, I love her a lot. And she, I knew how talented she was. She's written some other stuff that I would say is um, like on par with kind of the depth of, of this that I've been able to read in the past. And, um, I was one of those things that, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't consider that like part of really like maybe my deep gifts or anything like that to have like a poetic, um, imagination or maybe not imagination, but at least like just aptitude. Um, and I, there was just something in like Tom's life and how he died that, I don't know. I was just having trouble expressing it. You needed and I an remember, elegy. What's that? You needed an elegy. Yeah. I An elegy? Not, not eulogy, but elegy. I think that's a term of art. Is it? Yeah. I don't even know that, honestly. Um, but I just remember, I mean, different people too, but a I remember like Father Sai. Typically a lament for the dead. Oh, wow. There you go. An elegy. That's it, man. Dude, I, I just remember I Father Sywick talking totally about like. I just remember Father Sywick talking about like you go to the poets to express like the deepest forms of reality. Um, like they can go, they can typically go farther than anybody else if you go to the poets. Um, and I still don't know that I have a full appreciation for really what that means. Like I don't think my my thinking is cultivated enough in that in that way to really appreciate that. Um, but I also think it's true. Um, and yeah, even the part in there about like it being wounded, like the picks was old and he loved to like fix stuff. That was kind of his thing of you could take him anything and he'd try to fix it and just kind of, I mean, he was quirky in his own way and funny and all that. Um, 
but like he had fixed this uh this old this old picks as well so um yeah it was just something that i think i realized i was like man i am i don't know that i have the capacity to like really put this into words um at least succinctly but i think maggie did it and it's fascinating that she did it with without really like even having ever met him like she just heard the story and she was able to write that um which is a talent and i think kind of a depth of soul that that i don't have but i'm very thankful that some people do yeah and i love the use of the the picks as like a symbol for us Mm -hmm. where if you just said that it sounds kind of trite and corny but the way that she was able like to draw all the aspects of it that relate to Christ making a home in the human soul that is broken, wounded, put back together, but never the same. But then those wounds actually are glorified and they serve to, to glorify the, the one that makes a home in him. And like you said, it embodied the dude, you know, this, this sure. piece of metal that he fixed and it was a belonging of his that, I mean, that's why those things are sacred relics of people. Mm-hmm. Someone someone serious used this for a serious purpose. Um, that's cool. It is cool. She has it's good both words. Like, good words. Good words. But it's both the story of like a human being in an individual life and also like encompasses the gospel or the gospel encompasses it both. Um which is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it just, it made me think this, this past Friday, I had a blessing of seeing, uh, going to one of my prisoners homes for, was it Friday? No, it was Saturday. Um, right during, during the Georgia game. Um, and going over to one of their homes for a big, um, anniversary, wedding anniversary. And she's, uh, and she's, she's older. Um, but the only the only time that I ever see her is at church, and she'll come back into the sacristy and say hey, and um, and she, you know she has all these grandchildren now. But oftentimes she'll talk about what it used to be like when she was a parent with all of her children, and she was teaching and a nurse, and just did all these amazing things. And and now she's a she's kind of a little bit older, and uh, she still gets after. It. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, she's a she's a firecracker, but there was a real grace in stepping into her life and seeing her in her element surrounded by her children and her grandchildren and all these people that she's taken care of and loved and seeing her as kind of this grandma, it made sense of her where I was like, Oh, this is, I'm, I think I'm really seeing you as you are for the first time here, right? I'd always kind of seen you on my terms in the context of the church kind of out of, not out of your element, but not doing this thing that she identified so deeply with. And it sounds like what you got to see was you, maybe nobody understood this guy. Like he, a lot of his quirkiness maybe got in the way, but like you kind of saw him doing his thing and his element. He was the guy that said, you have to walk away from me when I'm talking. <laughs> just, yeah, that was the guy. Just walk away. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And it's like, maybe that's all people ever saw, but it sounds like uh, this was a very meaningful thing for him to do, and it kind of embodied a lot of a lot of who he was. Is it Tom? Is that right? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like seeing Tom and his element that maybe the rest of the world never, ever saw. Like, oh, if you don't see him as a vessel of Christ, like bringing Jesus to other people, you missed a really big element of him. Hmm. Um, just, uh, yeah, just relating that to, to seeing people, um, to seeing the layers of people, but also seeing them in the right setting. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, that makes a lot more sense right now. And I, I actually grow in love for you. Uh, I appreciate you a lot more now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think what, that's what art kind of does. Um, for me, I started going to the art Institute more this year. I got a membership last year because I'm just a couple blue line stops away. And, uh, I use this painting in a, a talk I gave that talk I gave up at the liturgical Institute. I might've mentioned it here, but, um, it's just called bathers. I think it's by Bouguereau who did a really famous Pieta, um, painting. He did a lot of religious stuff, but this is just two nude ladies on a beach. And, um, <laughs> and it was, you know, it, it caught my eye, but you always feel a little weird looking at the nude ones. Uh, but there was something about it that just, I was like, if this was a photograph or just like literally two nude people standing on a beach, I wouldn't be able to see it the way this painter has portrayed it, where um, <clears throat> the scene was very desolate, um, kind of gray, <clears throat> empty beach. And then here are these two stark, like pale figures, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in their total vulnerability and nakedness. And it just, it was, it's this very big, tall painting. You stand right in front of it in the art Institute. You see how big it is. Uh, they might be more than life size. And you just think like, if I were in this scene and you were just in an empty world that had nothing, nothing intelligent in it, except you. And then you came across these two figures, you'd be like, wow, at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, you know, Mm -hmm. like that encounter Mm -hmm. with what it a human being is uh which you're in an art institute full of human beings you are ignoring or find annoying because they're in your way and then you just see an image of one that an artist puts up there in front of you and you're like oh yeah being human is amazing um the fact that there are other people and not just me alone in this universe is such a gift you know but it's also so strange like they don't belong in this world. They look like aliens, you know, like an animal on this beach or a fish would make sense because they can survive on their own and they have gills or fur or something to protect them. But these people are just like totally vulnerable, don't belong here. And yet they stand above it all as like the only reason why this thing is good in the first place is because it's a home for these Hmm. divine images, you know? Hmm. Um, that's what's going through my head or heart as I'm looking at this. And I think that's what art does is like, you you know, your guy, Tom, people can run into all the time and think, Oh, that's a funny guy. Or, uh, he's, he talks a lot and you have to walk away. Otherwise he won't stop talking to you. And, but then what, what he really is, is this, uh, image of Christ <clears throat> broken and flawed, but also holy and generous and self-giving and, um, the fact that he's baptized and that he is commissioned to carry the Eucharist to people who are sick and can't come to church. Like the reality is much deeper than the surface. And until somebody puts it in a way that's 
artful. Um, you can't see it. You know what I mean? Um, that to me is what, what art does and why good words or good images, <clears throat> why they're artistic is because they, you were shown something by God or the world or other people. And then you showed it through a gift you've been given to other people. And they're looking at something they look at every day. And all of a sudden it's like Thomas Merton, when he walked out of the monastery for the first time after a couple of years being in there in the cloister and he, He's just in the city and he thought he would hate the city because it's full of hustle and bustle and commercialism. But what's that famous line? He's like, I wish I could tell everybody that they're walking around shining like the sun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He actually had a greater love for the world right. after being away from it for, for a while. That's what that perspective gives you, I think. Yeah. And the fact that she didn't even have to know this guy to, to see the beauty in his life. Does she listen to the cast? Is she going to hear us like praising her effusively? Oh yeah, yep. I don't want to give her a big yep. head, but shout out Maggie. She deserves it. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't. I don't have it as formulated as um, you do, Bisctron, because that's that's really good. I mean, that it's a beautiful kind of reflection on. I've never seen the bathers um, painting, but. I mean, it's, it's a true stuff you're talking about. Um, but I think it also I'll pull, gives I'll pull you... I'll a Baron and make it the, the image for this podcast. All right. All right. There you go. Promoting nudity. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's about but time. I think it, it does... There's also something that gives you... Um, the word that's coming to mind, and I don't know if it really hits it on the head, is courage. Um, and I don't know. Like I, I'm, I was thinking of when you were telling that story... When we were at, um, that's when you and I were at the Louvre in Paris, El Louvre, um, Louvre. I believe. Yeah. Louvre. <laughs> um, but I remember going through different sections, and um, do you remember that huge painting of it? I think it was Susanna from um, from the Bible story. No, I I don't know if I ever saw. I remember everybody talked about it. I don't remember it. Oh my I, gosh! I, I, I mean, it was um, and the story. I think. Uh, I'm not blanking on the the right name, right? Susanna is in. I think it's the one. She's the one Daniel. that uh, Daniel saves um, mm -hmm. in like the false trial. Yeah. Um, and it was. It's kind of. It's similar in the sense of like this painting. It's also enormous, um, but it's like I don't know. It's extremely, extremely provocative um, in in some ways. Of like this is a really beautiful nude woman in in this like in a very intimate moment of bathing but it also it in it like and I, I don't know i don't have the words to to describe like the experience of of seeing it because it allows you like it wasn't lustful either except for like it gives it gave you an appreciation for like the ugliness of the lust in that story of like this is so good and so holy and yet, like, that story is one of, like, this deep depravity of, like, crushing this gift of God. Um, and, I mean, the story doesn't end like that thanks to Daniel and, and, um, and all of that. But it just, it gave me a different type of courage to be able to read that story and to feel it in, like, the experience of it in a whole, in a whole different way. So every time that comes up, whether it's in the Liturgy of the Hours or... Like I read through it, I think back to that painting, yeah. 
and like it just that whole that whole story and the truth that it then conveys it like comes to life in a totally new way just from like 10 minutes in front of this painting yeah hmm. yeah man a similar thing happened with at the louvre with um a lot of paintings surrounding david and goliath hmm. um there's one i've never seen a painting like it before but it's it's kind of front and back so it's obviously it's not it's not three-dimensional um but it has you know david slaying goliath from one side and then on the back side of that painting it would have what the painting would look like if you were on the other side of the painting um so he kind of paints it straight through and i just remember being so shocked by just how tiny david is but the ferocity that he that he fought with you're like, yeah, this dude must have been crazy, fierce, and intense. Hmm. Uh, and it talks, you know, scripture talks about him like this ruddy youth and uh, seems to be like a soft, gentle hearted guy that is a poet himself and, you know, is a psalmist and is a singer and is an, is an artist. But all these paintings just have this young, passionate guy coming at evil to lop its head off. And to see that depicted in art rather than just reading about it. Um, those images, they, they stay with you and they certainly shape how you, how I have thought about it. And it kind of pushes your conceptual capacity. Like, no, what would that actually look like to strike somebody in the head and to, and then to lop off their head? Hmm. Um, like a similar thing with the Susanna story, what a grave abuse and misuse of this gift of beauty. Like, because it is so beautiful, the depravity of it is so dark. And it it kind of unfolds the story and, and opens it in this new way. And, yeah, I think art really does do that. So it's here's Tom. He's not just some eccentric dude. He's also not just a church dude. Like, he's a combination of these things. And art, this poetry, kind of helps to unfold our understanding and, and, and ultimately love for who Tom is. And the same was with my parishioners. Like, She's not just a church lady. Mm. And, she, you know, she's also not just a grandma. Like, maybe her children and her grandchildren. <clears throat> I could probably tell them some incredible things about her that they may not see. But it's this, you know, it's this combination of the two that help help me to love her, ultimately love her much, much better. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of... Um something DMAC said about icons or, or religious art that it's supposed to be like when you're depicting scenes like from the Bible or things that have been painted a million times, like a crucifixion or a nativity, um, they have to be particular enough to be recognizable, but, but general enough to be abstract enough to be universalizable. Um, because I'm thinking like, like these scenes, uh, that help you imagine what the Susanna story is like versus just reading it. Um, there, there is some bad art. I feel like that just like, well, the example I'm thinking of is when you see a movie of a book you've read and you're like, that's not how I imagined it. And I liked how I imagined it better. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the thing with a movie is that it's so, it's such a direct copy of the actors who are acting it and, like a mm. photograph or a moving picture is is too particular, you know. Whereas the 
the painting or a poem. My thing is uh, the transfiguration. Sufjan Stevens has a song on one of his early albums called The Transfiguration, where he basically just summarizes the story, but it's got banjo and oboe, and it's like this really weird but beautiful arrangement with with a kind of choir slash high school symphonic band type sound to it. And there's just this line over and over again, um, have no fear, we draw near. Lamb of God, Son of God, and it's just this kind of hypnotic chorus. And I had this really deep moment of um, consolation driving away from IPF in 2010 after having this summer where I was pretty much sure that God was calling me to the priesthood and I was happy about that and driving back to Mundelein and listening to this song. And it's it's how I imagine the transfiguration, but it's um, it still engages my imagination. And it's not just like in place of having to imagine what that mountaintop experience is like it it just sort of it aids the imagination you know what i'm saying yeah um and it's weird like one of the reasons i brought up that poem was because i got this book from megan ulrich who um it was just kind of out of the thin blue air uh she wrote in the back much love to the dogs but i was sitting in the confessional yesterday as, as i do for an hour every day I brought it in there just for the gaps and um, it's a short little book. I read the whole thing. I read all her poems and at the end I'm like, wow, I'm more hungry for reality now than I was before, you know, or Mm. you're just more present or aware when you read or see good art. Uh, I even tried to start drawing this summer. Like when I had some downtime, I'd sit in the park and try to draw buildings and things like that. And after an hour of just trying to draw, even if it stinks, you're more aware of the majesty of things, you know, of simple things. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Of colors, contours, shapes, Mm -hmm. shadows, shadows are so they're, well, they're, they're, they're their own color. Um, and it's kind of the dark side of things is shadows are the most difficult thing for me to paint and and sketch. I think, oh yeah, Mike, you're a painter, which I find to be pretty fascinating. My mom commissioned me to do a painting. Um, Rob, nice. you commissioned Maggie to do a yeah. A I was poem. thinking that That's too. You commissioned cool. her. Yeah. Yep. You're you're commissioning people. You're a patron of the arts. I'm a patron <laughs> of the arts. <laughs> Can I read you one of these Megan poems? Please. I read this to Mike last night, but this but, is. This the motherhood is, one. Yeah, this is really this is really it's beautiful and intense. I feel like I'm outing her by reading this on the podcast, but then again, she published a book of her poems so and sent it to me. So, but they're very personal. So yeah. This is called motherhood. <clears throat> yeah, this is diving right in. There should be a word for the moment <laughs> you realize you have become everything you ever hated. When it's six o'clock and your husband walks in the door and di- dinner isn't ready and the laundry hasn't even been started, but somehow you blame him because it's better than blaming yourself. There should be a word for that. When you're trying to convince your eight-year-old to go to karate without his stupid uniform because it's late and you're too tired to recognize that you wouldn't be caught dead at a party without a dress, but somehow his hesitancy is the problem here, there should be a word for that. When your husband sweetly kisses your neck and even though you aren't asleep, you pretend to be because it's been too long of a day to genuinely show affection to the one person who loves you more than anything, there should be a word for that. When you want to tell someone that you just made mango applesauce for your son, but you realize absolutely no one cares, and then maybe you wonder why you do, there should be a word for that. 
When it's too late on a school night and your 13-year-old wants help in algebra, but despite graduating summa cum laude with a degree in biology, it's been 10 years since you thought about anything but laundry and meal planning, so she decides to ask her dad, the smart one, there should be a word for that. When your nine-month-old wakes up way too early from a nap, but you just want to write one damn poem so you ignore him for a minute longer than you should, more than you ever thought you would, there should be a word for that. At the end. <laughs> it's titled Motherhood. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's intense, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, you got to couple it with the next one. Because the, the next one is... Oh, yeah, the next one is, I love. Is simple but profoundly beautiful. Yeah, it's very short. Yeah. It's called Untitled. Just my favorite title. <laughs> it starts, and sometimes I want to leave, but there's nowhere really to go. Maybe we can run away together, pack our lives on our backs to remember what freedom feels like, leave the kids with Momo and Pa and drive until we feel our souls again. Hell, bring the kids too. They should see the world on fire. That's it. Wow. I love that one because it's like, I just imagine her sitting at home like, oh, man, I've made these choices and these commitments to be chained to these people in this place. And I just yeah. want to be free. But I also don't want to be alone. So I'll take my husband. But hell, bring the kids, too. They should see the world on fire. So it's it's just like I love that feeling. That, man. Yeah, I love it. Oh, man. All right. That's awesome. I Yeah. <laughs> I would love, yeah, I don't know what I have to do I to really get one like of those books I really like the people that Megan, listen to our podcast. Yeah, man. <laughs> Very grateful. And I should give a shout out to John Liddy, who sends us poems on the regular. John, that last one um, that he sent was really good, too. That was an epic poem. Mm-hmm. He's He writes. He's prodigious. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's a prodigious yeah. writer. All right, two things. One, Megan, I don't think I know you. But shout out and thanks. And I don't know what I have to do to get one of those books, but would love one <laughs> at some point. Um, and dang, man, that's awesome. I haven't even Googled if it's if it's available for purchase. Okay. Try to throw it in the show notes. Yeah, if absolutely. Check it out. Wow. Maybe we should commission a book of poetry. Dang. We've, remember we talked about writing a book? Hey, yeah. hey, it's a work in progress. It's yeah. a work in progress, okay? It's going to be our magnum opus. Yep. It's We've taken measurements. It was supposed measurements. to be super easy. Oh, it yeah. was supposed to be super easy. <laughs> <laughs> should we get back? Should we start back on it? I don't know. Uh, we else. have some stuff written yeah. on the Google Doc. I don't know what else to write about. We got a Google <clears> Doc. I'm all out of ideas. I, I wrote nothing, man, and I'm all out of ideas. I wrote two whole essays. <laughs> no I wrote more. a couple as well. I had one in the works that I can I can start back up on, but it was meant Dang to be it. like a summer summer survival guide, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. How, how many essays like were y'all thinking would encapsulate? Let, wait, hold up. Let's call thing. it Twelve Rules for Life. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And is there just give advice to young people? Yeah, <laughs> actually, I think there is. Is there a twelve rules for life? I think there is. Let's one up whoever wrote that and write eleven rules for life. Yes, let's one up them. <laughs> yeah, well, that way it can be quicker. Like subtitle: you know? Wait, colon eleven rules for life. Colon we are life coaches. <laughs> we are life coaches. Listen to uh, me. <laughs> yes. Uh. I'm going to write an essay in the next week. That's my goal. Do y'all, what do y'all think? 12 essays? 
Yeah, that's fine. I I need to do some something Maybe productive. Four a piece. Yeah, F- four a piece. I was thinking of recording more songs, but let's write essays. I've just been uh, doing work so much, you know. Yeah. Coffee bar's going great though. Yeah, nice, I'm excited dude. to get over there and see it. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's the stuff that's on my mind these days. Mm-hmm. Fundraising. Yeah. Mm. It sounds like the students are pretty amped about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been going great. It's awesome. Yep. Yeah, so anybody out there wants to send us uh, art. Yeah, for we real. It. We did. Sketches. Somebody, uh, Joanna drew some art based on our mission statement. That's right. I love Epic. that. It was amazing. Do you have that? Do you have the hard Ooh. copy of that or was it just online? Dang, I had I, it. I have the icon of us sitting around the computer. Yeah, yeah. that was also amazing. Um, man. I have a piece of art from Danielle. That she sent me, hanging right. up in my office. I love cool. that thing. Yeah, that icon was amazing. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, like amazing. Isn't that um, cool? How, for some reason, the podcast inspires art, mm-hmm. yeah. or at least we have artists who listen to it. I don't know. Yeah, we have very talented listeners. Yeah, I would say it's the latter. Is that we have artists that listen to it more than. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, no, <laughs> we are the inspiration. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, if I kn- of all of the podcast communities that I know, we have the most talented. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and Hands by down. far the best fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like our fans. No, um, I do think I do. <clears throat> don't take it for granted, and I'm very grateful that we're a very online group of priests. And the people that interact with us are not like just looking to push controversy buttons and, um, Thanks be to God for you know that. what I mean? It's yeah. just like mm-hmm. people, you talked about Fortnite and building community and stuff like that. Like just online can be so, I don't like the word toxic. It's overused, but it's true. Um, just people arguing for arguing sake and hurling nades at each other. And, uh, the fact that we're just like online shooting the breeze and then people send us books of poems that they wrote. <laughs> I feel like that's not something I want to take for granted. No, that's so true, man. You can get caught up in a whirlstorm of people picking you apart and yeah, just yeah. throwing you under the bus. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it's because I can't see our faces. Maybe it's Until because we have, we have such a good mission statement. Like it's just so <laughs> clear, you know, yeah. to share uh-huh. our faith journey. As church. As church. <laughs> Period. We church. <laughs> we church. We church. And, dude, you can turn church. Well, we, we've we done that. Churching as a verb. Yeah. Churching as a We had a whole podcast on that, man. Yeah, you gave that as a penance once during a half marathon. You yeah, are I said, to church. <laughs> yeah. As church, you are to church. As church. Now go church. I love the infinitive yeah. imperative. You are to church. <laughs> you are to mm-hmm. church. As church, you are to church. See you later, church. <laughs> Good luck, yep. church. I just listened to, this is a little bit of a, a change, but I just listened to a podcast on Art of Manliness called Get With the Program, mm-hmm. and it was pretty good, but he says that... I've always kind of like he put words on something that I had always kind of thought. And he, he in a sense said, don't have mission statements because a mission changes. 
but you should always have core values. You should have three core values that don't change. And at first I was like, oh, I'm jamming on this. But now thinking about it, I'm like, well, maybe he just hasn't read our mission statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, for a while I was getting into those books like The Advantage by, uh, is it Pat Lencioni? Or some of the you know Amazing Parish stuff. Have you ever run into that? I've heard that Talking name. about mission statements and core values and things like that and oh, leadership mm-mm. teams and Divine Renovation. Have you heard of uh, Father James Mallon? Yeah, heard of it. I, I can't say I've read it. Yeah, it's it feels to me like something I so badly want to put into practice, but it's it's really hard to do if you're not a natural manager. Hmm. Um, I think that's why they wrote those books is like to teach people who this doesn't come naturally to how to supervise and run a place and keep from mission drift, you know, to where like we're doing a million things, but what's really core to who we are or why this place exists. Mm. I I bet that was a term in one of those books, mission drift. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of buzzwords, but the buzzwords are buzzwords because they name something. Um, oh yeah, and they absolutely. Get overused and then they stop meaning anything. But that's that's very easy to see. But um, I don't know. I always I always looked to Baron and the way that he led Mundelein in the years he was there. Yeah. And I'm like, I want I want to be like him. Just get stuff done, mm-hmm. but also very clearly communicate what we're about here. You know, not get lost in the details, which is not something we've done with the podcast, but somehow has naturally just happened. It's cult of personality. It is cult of personality. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I would do that. If I wasn't on it, I would be a listener. I would be oh, a, yeah. honest. You are Definitely. a listener, dude. I would be a cult follower. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I know myself like I think I do. <laughs> like, are we a cult? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Who said that? George. <laughs> mm. All right. Robbie. Man, well, yeah, have fun, dudes. You're, you're there till Friday, Mets? Yep, yeah, Friday afternoon. What are you guys doing tomorrow? Probably having no fun. I I literally have no idea. Have I brought my fun. sweatpants and sweater. And <laughs> we should hoop, dude. I I brought athletic clothes thinking that we could hoop. Um, I am totally okay just kind of lounging around UIC. Lounging around your apartment, yep. in my nice. in my sweats, watching movies. I may do that. As I said that, it kind of rolled off the tongue. It was nice. <laughs> yeah. That one hit home. That, that one. Hit home. That one uh, cut. Did deep. I bring up last time the guy who said that he never he never has a day of relaxation or feasting that he doesn't plan, so that he doesn't just fall into like self indulgence. Yeah, we said but, that last yeah, week. Whatever. It's and still. Then, and then I said, it's "I'm still gonna, worthy of repeating." I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how long it's been since I've seen The Matrix? Do you know? <laughs> weeks. Literally weeks. <laughs> I went back and watched all The Matrixes. I'd only ever seen the first one when it came out. And then I went and watched all three. And then they did like cartoon ones afterwards. Mm. And yeah, I, they created a whole world there. I, it, I The whole cyberpunk, steampunk thing, it gets a little old to me. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, it kind of unsettles me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a lonely world. Dude, can I just tell y'all something? What you just said made me made me think of I had some interactions with some some youths in my parish. Not too young, but you know, young enough. And 
I told him the sixth sense is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Mm. I, legitimately, hands down, I couldn't sleep for weeks. <laughs> Uh, and I saw it in my twenties and it terrified me. And I said, I think it's the greatest, uh, it's the greatest plot twist in movie history yeah, that I've was, ever seen. It was before Shyamalan was known for the twist. I remember we rented that from Blockbuster when it came out on video and watched it as a family. You watched it? How old were you? However old I was when it came out. I don't know. Teenager. <laughs> well, dude, you were a teenager? I'm older than you guys. Well, I know that. But I remember, like, all it was, it was a cultural thing. It was like the O.J. Simpson trial. Like, yeah. you know, Shut everyone up. was talking about yeah. the twist at the end of Sixth Sense. Yeah. I thought everybody knew about it. And, and yeah. then now there's this generation that hasn't seen it. Right. But they missed the whole phenomena where everyone knew. Exactly. Because even when I saw it, I knew I had already heard, you know, spoiler. Hey, don't say it. We have young listeners that might want to go watch it. Dead people. He sees dead people. We're just going to say, he sees dead people. That's not the twist. Right. Um, But, so I'm. You ever seen those t shirts that say, I see stupid people? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I could see you wearing one of them, though. (laughs) So I tell all of them, like, y'all got to see this movie at some point whenever you're ready. It's terrifying. So heads up. But they all like scary movies. But the scary movies are different. The scary movies, they're all like bloody and jump mm-hmm. jump type stuff which six cents has some of that do you know what they did they they went home and they youtube did and they just found out the twist oh, come of the movie they found out the plot twist yeah huh. and i was i was upset <laughs> kids these days you know kids these days yeah. dude yeah i was i was very upset so i may watch the six cents and then uh, Man, have to upset in years. have to stay up all night Slumber party. <laughs> Gosh, never terrifying. <clears throat> All right, Rob. Well, see you, dudes. Good to I'm talk. To work. Have see fun. You, see ya. Peace. Later. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.